do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to call this. I don't know if I should call it a light to the Let's nations, beyond the matrix, controversial topics with uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Michelson and Rav Jor, because we have with us, now I'm always with one of my favorite people in the world, Rav Jor, every week, but now I have two of my favorite people in the world. That's it. Me. You're surrounded. <laughs> two. Well, I'm glad you have two favorite people. Yeah. No, I have more than two. I said two of my favorite <laughs> oh. people. <laughs> well, I love oh. you guys. Very lucky to be here. Yeah. So, so, so we have with us our amazing friend, uh, Rod Reuven David Bryant from Native in Texas, just outside of Houston, Texas, in Humble, Texas. Yes. A humble Texas for a humble Texan. That's right. For a humble organization. For a humble organization. So we, as usual, we we always want to kind of tap tackle topics that are relevant in culture and society today. And this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a few weeks. And so we figured it would be a good topic to talk about because the three of us come from sort of, you could say, different perspectives. And so two things jumped out. What this one is, is gender identity and, and how it relates to Torah and Judaism. So two things happened. Friday night, I had um, uh, some friends over for Shabbat, and um, they have eight children and 30 grandchildren. And one of their sons, one of their older sons lives in Givat Shmuel. And... And she was telling us that in in the school of one of her grandchildren, that now there's a child, and she didn't remember if it was a child who was born male and now wants to be female or was born female and now wants to be male. But she was saying that now an entire school now is, is sort of having to um, change everything in their perspective based on the needs of one person. So that's the one thing that came up. And then just before we started the show, I saw a report that came out that, um, and I sort of mentioned this on one of the previous shows, um, this idea of like women in sports now that you have this situation where you have this whole transgender issue going on. And, and, and now in sports, female sports, you now have, like guys, people who are born male that could not do very well in whatever sport and like track and field, there's a guy that was never came in better than 12th or 13th place and suddenly decides that he wants to be a girl. And now he's competing in female sports and he's won every uh, competition. And he's now like, you know, winning all the championships and, you know, and, and so there was actually just a case of West Virginia where West Virginia has a ban on transgender athletes competing in a sport that's different from how they were born. So if they male, they can't compete. And it was upheld. So that ban is still in effect in West Virginia. So anyway, that's what I wanted to start off with. I'm going to throw it to you guys. I have some things that I want to talk about, what the sources say and what the rabbis say, but it's a hot, it's a hot topic, this whole idea of gender identity. I think identity is the big issue because I just think that everybody's looking for some kind of identity. So I'll, le I'll leave it to you guys to run with it from there. So we'll, we'll let the wise person speak first. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. I was going to ask you to speak first for for uh, purpose of honor. I would like you to speak first and then I'll go. Okay, so I, I think, thank you so much. I think that there is something um, in in the same line with what that, um, Ira uh, spoke about, about the identity. I think that, um, that when a person is losing his um, basic identity, then he goes um, to lower levels of starting to make up new identities. But the search of identity 
begins with losing your own self-identity first. So I think that people who are seeking their real identity are people who, first of all, lost their real, authentic, original, realistic identity. And that's where the healing is supposed to, um, to take place. Because really, you are what you are. We are people who are seeking for the truth. And the truth, like the Prophet told us, the truth is not far away from you. It's not across the ocean. It's not behind the highest, tallest mountains. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart to keep, to do. Truth is that I am the one that I am. When Hashem wanted to tell Moshe something about who Hashem is, so Hashem told Moshe, I am the one that I am. I'm going to be the one that I am. And if someone will ask you, okay, who are you? You can tell him, my name is Rod, that's your name. It's not who you are. If you really want to tell him who you are, you need to tell him everything about yourself, but only the truth. You cannot make up stories. Oh, you don't know me. I'm a warrior of great wars. If you weren't really in a war, you're not really a warrior, you cannot say that and pretend to be one. That's not your real identity. Your real identity is who you are, who you were, and who you're really able to be or planning to be or hoping to be in the future to come. So the truth about yourself is, is your real identity. So in the search identity, you need to search who you are, not who you want to be or who you desire to be. It's who you are. And when you search who you are, there is no place for change of identity. There is only compromising maybe or accepting, embracing the reality of your true identity. I am glad that Ira brought up the, the real central subject, and that is identity. That is the subject matter to be talking about. Uh, if there's anybody that understands this, and look, we all go through at a time of puberty, of identity, trying to figure out who we are. Am I a man? Am I a boy? You know, whatever. We, that's a given. But we have, this is such a layered, complex subject matter that it would be easy for someone to listen to what we're talking about today and dismiss it as either uh, they have no halakha, you know, they're just following after, you know, social political correctness or they're, they're stringent, they're narcissists, they're egotists, they're sitting there telling everybody how they should live their life. And my heart goes out to every human being that struggles, period. And I do know that I actually belong to a group of people in the world that are considered B'nai Noach. They are people that have had their identity in other religions, and they they begin to realize, hold on, this is not who I am because this is not what the scripture says I am. And, and they want to discover themselves. That's why so many B'nai Noach feels like I'm Jewish, right? I mean, we hear this. Or uh, they're, if they're Messianic, I'm a Jewish Christian or whatever it may be. But you nailed it on the head, Rob, when you said that until people are able to find out their original purpose, and begin to live that identity, they're not going to be happy. They won't be content with themselves and they will always struggle. Now that's the identity issue. The other issue, and we can get into later on, is the fact that uh, gender dysphoria is a separate issue from people that are in, what What did you call that earlier, Ira? You called it- um, gender, uh, non, gender non-conformity. Gender non-conformity, yes. You know, if somebody doesn't want to be a male, they want to be a female, fine. You, you're going to, you just got to deal with the consequences of it and, and go on with your life. I'm not going to, I'm not going to preach to you or hurt you or be mean to you because you do that. But we also have a very troubling trend starting now that says, okay, you've got a mental health issue. Let's all make it sound like you don't. And let's make everybody else who seems to be on the spectrum of good mental health you guys are the crazy ones. You're the bigots. You're the homophobes. You're the whatever. And we're living in an upside down world. But that's also part of our time that we live in, correct? 
It's very, I think it's very deep. I think that there are like, um, it's like uh, when someone does not want to deal with his issues, so he's immediately reflecting them on you. He's blaming you for his own faults, for his own lackings. Again, first of all, we spoke about it, Ira and I, a couple of weeks ago. And also I mentioned it in a few of my classes and in personal conversations with people. We are not judging the person who finds himself in a situation that he feels stronger connection to his own gender. We're not talking about it from that side or from that angle. We're only talking about it from the side of trying to make something that is unkosher by the rules of the Torah or by society and normal people um, life and to make it as if that is the new normal, like red is the new orange. That is not right. That is twisting the truth. And we are against twisting the truth. You want to say, I have different feelings. I have different emotions. I want to pretend to be someone that I am not. And that's the way I want to live my life. As long as you are being honest about it and you're not faking your reality, there is no problem with that. The second issue that we are facing, like you mentioned before, is that there is a strong movement against, uh, that is going against children, innocent children that does not have a clue which shoes to choose to wear to school that morning. And they are now being manipulated to choose to change their own gender. That is closer to abuse. And parents that are supporting these kind of changes in lives of toddlers that haven't came to maturity yet are, I think, sinning in a horrible way against their own uh, children and against a whole generation. And for them also to try to affect our children in our school system, this is a great violation of, of social code and normal human being codes of, of dignity, of honesty, of, um, of friendship, of brotherhood. I think that's the one of the main issues. And we, we have talked about this. And I think the three of us would agree that the thing that we would come against is an agenda that's being pushed rather than coming against indi individuals and the struggles that individuals go through, whether it's homosexual or homosexuality or whether it's a gender identity issue. It's interesting when we look at some of these things, like when we talked, for instance, about the black Hebrew Israelite movement, and I brought up that, you know, this was not on the radar until 1967. Uh, when you look at the idea of gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria as a mental health issue really didn't come to the forefront until 1980. So again, you're talking about something that's very modern. Then when you look at this idea of gender nonconformity, this is when a person says, well, you know what? It's not, this is not even the idea of somebody saying, oh, I'm transgender or I want to change. These are the people that saying, oh, no, don't call me him or her anymore. You have to call me they or identify as this. Um, you know, I could say the same thing. I'm fat, but I identify as skinny, you know, don't. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it becomes very nonsensical. Now, what I want to say is that from, a, from when we get into the Torah, when we get into the sources, when we get into even from, from a mystical standpoint, and I think, um, Rav Dror, you probably talk about this in your new book, Return to Your Root, the idea of maybe you call it something different. I would call it like soul recycling, um, where we're talking about Gilgulim and the idea that a soul can be recycled. We would not argue that there are potentially, and this is the important thing that people have to take away from this, that we're talking about spirituality here now. So for instance, when you talk about like the sun and the moon in Kabbalah, um, there are certain energies that are, that are related to that. And so those energies are also things that are contained in our souls, these kind of spiritual energies. And as a result of that, um, 
there there are certain things that we struggle with. That doesn't mean that because those spiritual energies exist in a soul, that that kind of leapfrogs into this idea of the physicality of gender of male and female. It's something totally different. So we we see a, a perfect example would be Yitzhak, Isaac in the Bible, right? It says that Sarah laughed. And it says, why does why did Sarah laugh? It's because Sarah believed that he would have a very different kind of soul. And some of our sources say that until the Akedah, until Yitzhak was brought up to the mount by his father Avraham, that he had a feminine soul. And that when Avraham brought him up um, as an olah, that the, the feminine soul left him and a masculine soul came to him. But the, the point of that is not, not the idea that he was going to be a girl, but that he would not be able to procreate, that he would not be able to have children. And so that's why it, it seemed funny to her, because on one hand, Avraham is given a promise that his line is going to be continued through Yitzchak. And then she's saying to herself, well, how is that going to be possible? So she laughed. So I, I wanted to make that clear that we're talking about spirituality here. And that so is, probably in your book, you, you talk about that. So. It's, a, it's a very, we are discussing that in, in the book in, in, in a way, but I think it's very important to, to mention what that you just said, because really people taking things out of context and changing and like taking one verse and start interpreting it with their own agenda with their own will to achieve the 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 results that their heart desires and they're now basing their new methods their their new um, ideas that are twisted and bent and wrong and and false on verses and now they have evidence from the verses mm -hmm. like uh, someone once told me um you know that Islam is is like written in the Torah. Everything about the Torah is about Islam. All the Torah is not talking about Judaism. It's talking about Islam. Like, how do you say that? He said there is a verse that is an evidence for that. It, okay, what's the verse? He said it's written, Kulo Machamadim. <laughs> From the word Kulo Machamadim, that all the Torah is full of sweetness, they took the word machamadim, sweet things, nice, pleasuring things, and learned from it that it's all about Muhammad. Kulo, all of it about <laughs> Muhammad. That's it. One verse, Kulo machamadim. Everything in the Torah is sweet and enjoyable and, 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 and pleasuring and satisfying. They took it and learned from it. It's all about Muhammad. What can you do with an empty claim like that that will take massive foundations that their roots are deep in the ground and 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 reaching the highest highest heavens on top and just removing them in a in a moment without even thinking just saying no it's all about islam how can you argue with such nonsense so in the exact same way to tell a person you're not a man you're a woman it's like to tell a silver spoon you're golden. I'm sorry. Maybe she wants to be. Maybe he wants to be. Maybe he has desires to be. But to say, no, I'm a man when you are a woman, that's a lie. You can say, look, I have an issue and I want you to call me miss. I don't want you to call me mister. Okay, I can choose if to respect it, or maybe we can choose not to talk ever again because I don't feel comfortable to refer you as something that you're not. But you cannot force me to believe or to accept that you are a woman when you're a man. You cannot force me to change my understanding of what is real and what is not because you don't feel comfortable with the truth, with the reality that you were born in one gender and you don't feel comfortable with it. This, this is this is the uh, sort of main part of the issue for me is um, it's the attempt to mandate um, some type of correctness upon a society, 
especially mandated by government or corporations, et cetera, whatever it may be, that says up is down and down is up. You have to accept it. If you don't accept it, then you're the confused one and you should be the one that should be exercised or banned from a community. And, you know, as a society, if everybody in society decides to do that, then the three of us and everybody like us are just going to have to deal with it. Okay, it's just the way it is. However, there are more of us in society that want clarity and truth and 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 keeping things in focus than there are people with this dysphoria or with uh, with this uh, with the other side. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Non-conformity. Non Non-conformity. I can't even remember. And they changed the names, by the way. You can't remember. I cannot even repeat it if I'll try. <laughs> They confuse the issue, but this is the deal. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, we're, this is not about an individual. If someone comes to me and I'm at the store and this has happened and clearly the person is, is uh, trans and, you know, I, I could have been a female with a beard, but I'm just saying that's what it appeared. And uh, he wants to be addressed as sir or it or what I have no issue with it. But I have a problem when governments and corporations want to make the rest of the world accept that blue is silver. We're just not going it, to, it just, I don't agree with that kind of agenda. And that agenda is going to our children now. And that's a whole nother issue that we can talk about. But the, the idea is how do we face this and what do we say to those people who really do struggle? All right. So, uh, so again, I think it's important. Something that you you touched on, Ravjor, is is the importance of the context, not only in understanding the sources in the proper way, but now what's happening is you have certain streams, even within Judaism. Uh, I, I just, I, you know, in looking at this and studying this topic for many, many, many months, um, because it's because it's a very interesting and hot topic out there. In looking at our sources, I was amazed at how many different streams within Judaism try to take the sources. For instance, it's very clear in our sources that the rabbis identify six different types of sexual identity. Okay? They, they for sure do it. But then these people say, well, you see, the rabbis understood. The rabbis got it. But really, when you look at the sources in context, why are the rabbis discussing this? The rabbis are discussing it to determine how was that person born? What type of sexual organs do they have? Because if they're born a, a male, or maybe it's 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 not quite sure, maybe they're born what's called androgynous, meaning that they have both sexual organs. So the rabbis are trying to determine, do we identify this person as a male because now he's obligated for time-related mitzvot. Does he put on tefillin in the morning? Does he put on tzitzit? Or is he considered female? Or she is considered female? So now this individual is not obligated according. To, so really what it comes down to is the rabbis discuss these things, not in order to make people feel better about the fact that somehow in 2022, that people were going to decide that I don't identify with how I was born. The rabbis did this to determine how the mitzvot are kept. So that, that's a very important distinction to make. And on Rod's point, at the end of the day, I was even when we talked about homosexuality, and Rav Dror did a very popular video some, some years ago already, where he talked about the idea of being tolerant. Now, being tolerant to an individual that's struggling with sin, because homosexuality, we've talked about this, the idea of wasting sin, uh, seed, and the idea that Hashem calls it a toy vab, because it has to do with this idea of not fulfilling the commandment of being fruitful and multiplying, which is the obligation that we have as men. Um, being tolerant means understanding that people struggle with things. And so we need to be tolerant of that individual and their struggle. It doesn't mean 
that we accept and now allow them to take Hashem's Torah and twist it around to make it fit whatever identity they, they want to identify with now. Just to mention that we spoke about it two weeks ago and we said a person can say, I love him. I love him with all my heart. Like he's the love of my life. There's no problem with that. There is a prohibition to become intimate with him, to have mm -hmm. sexual relationship with him. That is another thing. That is where the sin begins. That's what the Torah forbidden. But for a person to love another man with all his heart, to appreciate him greatly, to choose that that person will be his life partner, to share all his heart with him, to tell him all your secrets. There is no violation in that. There is no nothing wrong in that. The wrong begins with wasting seed or putting your organs in places they were not meant to be. And that is what the Torah is choosing to talk about. Just on one point, uh, I'll let you take it up, Rod, but just on that point, so you know that the sources actually talk about that, that if a person is a male, like let's say they have both organs and, and they are a male by birth, but somehow they go through some type of surgery and now have a feminine organ, you are actually committing toeva by having relations with that person. That's how strong... Um, the rabbis discuss that, not not the idea of um, you know making it okay to do these things, but just the opposite. Rod, please. I was going to ask uh, Rob when you made that statement. How was that statement mistranslated within the the sort of halakhic Jewish world? Because at some point, I understand that people got upset at you for saying that me i have that issue no matter what i do people get upset so like I, it's like I'm, I'm just a fiery soul no matter where i go forests all around me are being lit in fire like yeah, i know you should keep shabbat oh, Dror now is saying that you should keep shabbat like i say right. like keep tarata mishpacha purity of the oh now he's talking about purity of the family like today a woman sent me a message and i'm like totally honest with you a student of mine she sent me a voice note crying Rav I saw you fell off the path you fell off the derech I saw you became Christian now you're Christian I want to help you me and my husband we want to help you if there's something we can do it's very nice of you but I don't remember moving a breath of a hair from being an Orthodox Jew <laughs> where did you came up with that idea she said, I saw a video of yours online talking about Christianity. I told her, okay, can you send me the link, please? You know, some of my videos are original mine. Mm -hmm. I'm backing them up. Some of them were edited and twisted and changed by so-called rabbis and other crazy people who chose to fight against me by editing my videos and taking them away from my sincere and honest intention. Can you send me the video that I will check who was the one to send that video? She said, yes, no problem. She sent me the video. A video was posted, reposted by another person, a Christian person, who wrote, what is the Jewish opinion about Christianity? And in that video, I am explaining why Jewish people are not Christian. I am literally saying why a person should when a Jew person does not, that a Jewish person should not believe in Jesus as God. That's what I'm saying. And she just heard the opposite. <laughs> and what can you do with that? Like that Christian person respected me and brought my honest opinion to the stage. And a Jewish woman was not able to comprehend the message that I right. delivered. What can I do with that? And then I sent her the original video explaining, by the way, it was in Texas. And and except for <laughs> was, saying was it that over and tail? over again, you can't do anything. <laughs> so to your question, the thing that uh, made people upset against my opinion um, was some 
radical Orthodox um, Jews that found my tolerance, my patience with people and understanding their feelings and emotions, they felt that to be right. not accepted. How can you say that it's okay for a man to love another man? While I explained that I will not decree on one person life of isolation if he's not able to have any other relationship but with another man. Now, I didn't say by that that I am supporting it. I just said we have to understand that that person has a heart, has feelings, has emotions, and I will not cancel them and erase them because the, the Torah said you should not have sexual relationship with your own gender. Again, also on a person who is violating Shabbat, the Torah is saying that that person needs to be executed, that that person needs to be executed. But I haven't seen no one being executed for that sin. Mm -hmm. We will not going to go and execute all the Shabbat violators. It's not part of our theme. So we're not going to execute people for being gay as well. That is not what we are doing. Jewish people never done that before in all our history. It never happened that we killed a person for him being gay. Something, by the way, that happened million times in radical Muslim really, uh, um, uh, com uh, communities um, and and and. and and radical uh, religious uh, people in different religions. But in Judaism, it never took place. We, even though forbidding it and explaining the severe sin and mistake and twisted mindset of the people who fall to that trap, to that violation of the Torah straight code and, and, uh, and law, that we are accepting on ourselves without investigating, without even questioning it, just as it is, because the Maker said so, because we heard it from Moshe, we never went and chased homosexual people for their desires and 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 for their for their for their situation. So well, go ahead, Ira. I was going to say two days after our first show, somebody emailed me, somebody that I know and somebody that you know, Rav Jor. And he said to me, I can't believe you're doing a show with Rav Jor. And I said, why, why can't you believe that? And he goes, the, have you seen the things that he's saying about, uh, about this and about that? And I said, what things? Can you send me a link? Are you, are you talking about that you heard this from somebody else or from these crazy you know, so-called rabbis that, you know, he goes, no, 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 I heard it myself. And I said, then please, please send me the right. links because I would like to see them. And I'm, you know, it's now been a few months and I'm still waiting for the links because I know for a fact that in every case that somebody has said something to me about you, I know uh, I've sat next to you, two feet from you. How many times I've heard you give over, you know, Torah, whether it's Rabbeinu or whatever, and I know that it's very easy for people to take out of context what you're saying if they only listen to 30 seconds or one if minute. They if they don't come to listen. If they don't come to listen. If they don't come to listen. If you remember, so, by the way, three days after I gave that class a few years ago, the massacre in the club, in the gay club in Orlando yes, took place. I do remember. Three nights after I gave that lecture. I right. gave that class so to be tolerant. So I do remember. you see that from heaven, they're sending us to deliver a positive message of patience, of acceptance, of, of love, of support. And our goodwill is being expressed. And it is the reflection of our maker's goodwill to mm -hmm. help people to climb out of their different challenges. How many people came to me and cried, said, I'm gay, but I want to have a family. I'm not able to have relationship with a woman, but I want to have children. How many people are crying for that? They want to be normal. They want to be normal. Now they're going to come a person and say, hey, why are you saying I'm not normal? I'm sorry. 
I'm telling you that the Torah is not calling you normal. The Torah is calling you a sinner. And I'm also making mistakes in my lives and I'm in my life and I'm trying to correct myself and to fix myself and to atone and to do tshuva and to become a better person. If you're going to put the same effort to become a better person with time, with right support, you will find yourself bettering and, and, and uplifting yourself from the place that you're at right now. That is probably the biggest struggle for, for those who strive for ultimate truth. They want to live the value of truth. And I mentioned this before we went on the show. We we're kind of just bantering around. But I said, right, if we're going to start making a list of all the sinners and then start disowning them, treating them horribly, whatever, whatever negative thing that we can put upon them, then it this list cannot be just homosexuality and transgender and gender dysphoria. There are, a sin is a sin. It doesn't matter. So the whole point is, are, are we going to stop there? Where are we going to stop on this whole thing? And the approach and what, what I love about Rav, Rav Nachman of Blessed Memory is this idea that uh, one should imbue, them, imbue themselves with kindness and uh, compassion upon other people and true love, which is a divine thing that we give people and leave the leave the nuances of that up to the Torah. And if people want to want to argue with us, uh, then you have to argue on the side of practical truth. That's the whole thing. We're not saying that homosexuality or transgender dysphoria or whatever is is uh, should be something that that we uh, we ban in society. It's here, whether we like it or not. And it's been here since the beginning of time. Ira mentioned the very same point. It's been here. real it's beginning. Not new. Right. It's been here since the beginning. So the question is, and I don't think that we're here to try to solve the issue as much as how do we live in a peaceful society that we're all going to elevate our consciousness to a higher level, a higher vibration, a higher connection to the master of the universe. And if that means that I can show kindness to someone who's struggling with the homosexuality or whatever and, and encourage them to somehow elevate themselves, I've done my job. I for sure have not done my job if I see them in public and I spit on the ground and walk to the other side of the street. What have I accomplished? So, so that's definitely true. So, definitely true. So, so here to kind of bring it all together, there's no question that things like this have existed from the beginning of time. There's no question that homosexuality existed. There's no question that there were people that that struggled with with gender issues. The rabbis would not have been speaking about these things hundreds and even thousands of years ago if these things didn't exist. But but here's the very interesting thing that's different. The thing that's different today is that, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with um, well, I am saying <laughs> there's something wrong with society today, because really what I'm I'm getting at is is the point is is that when we talk about dualities, when we talk about the idea of spirituality and physicality, and we talk about the idea of uh, you know two sides of the eight eight chayim of gevuran chesed, the idea of strength and kindness and and uh, and these tensions and struggles that go back and forth in life. At the end of the day, I guess the three of us would agree that the reason why we're talking about this, because what we want to see is geulah. We want to see redemption. When we want to, we know that redemption starts personally, that there, that each one of us, like Rav Dror said, we all have our own struggles. We're trying to better ourselves. Rod is talking about elevating our consciousness to get closer to Hashem. So at the end of the day, it starts with this idea of personal redemption. And once there's personal redemption, then we can talk about corporate redemption. But in that duality, in that struggle, the Gemara, the Talmud tells us that, that this Geulah can come two ways. It can come sweetly or it can come in another way. And, and I think what's happening is that that even though these things existed, you didn't see things at the forefront like they are now. You didn't see people 
walking around and displaying, you know, walking around with their hot pants and their high heels in Jerusalem, waving flags and doing parades and, and pushing these things in the faces of people and pushing these things on the children and pushing these agendas in school to suddenly make something. And again, we're not saying um, that this is wrong. We're saying that Hashem is saying this is wrong according to the Torah. Rabbi Mazuz recently in Israel here came under incredible fire because of the things that he said about the parades. And he gave a shiur the other day and he said, look, you can argue with me all you want. I'm not saying it. Hashem is saying it. His Torah says it. So, so go and argue with him. So my point is at the end of the day, we're not bringing these things up to destroy people. No. We're bringing these things up because it's important to understand that each and every one of us as individuals, as holy neshamot, who, who have their origins, metachat kisei hakavod, from under the throne of glory, um, have a responsibility to do our part in bringing redemption. And in order to do that, we need to do what Rod is talking about, elevate our consciousness, do what Rav Jor is talking about, come and find our purpose and our true identity. And, and then we're going to see um, things come in a sweet way and not the way we're seeing things in the world today. Just my opinion. You know, Rob, you, you, have, you have spoken for years and, and has, have been so eloquent to lay out Rob Nachman's uh, philosophy and spirituality to hundreds of thousands of people. And we, it does appear in the world that we live that there is such chaos and things being flipped upside down and uh, confusing and attempting to even bring more confusing on the younger gen confusion on the younger generation. And we, we all feel comforted by the fact that this is all part of the master plan. This is all part of the great conductor. Hashem, and he's doing this. And I, I would I would ask that if we were to have Rev Nachman sit here today, how would he lay this out? How would you think he would lay it out? <laughs> I'm just curious. I, I, I could give an idea, but I honestly don't know. But I, I think that it would be on the side of where, where we're approaching this. I I cannot answer the the question you ask, but I do want to to reply to it in a way. In their generation, two hundred around two hundred and and few years ago, um, there was a a great movement of secular people that were living Orthodox Judaism, religious life, and choosing. Um, Haskala, wisdom, developing the first universities and going to learn science and on math and, and dropping um, the orthodox and um, traditional way of, of Jewish life. And Rabbi Nachman was sitting and talking long, deep conversations with those people and even with the main and wisest ones of them. And he was sitting and playing chess with them and talking with them into the nights. In one of the nights, Rabbi Natan, his main student, and Rabbi Naftali, his second most important student, came to him to visit him and saw him playing chess with one of those maskilim, one of those like secular people. And he was laughing with him and, and chatting with him and being super friendly with him. And then Rabbi Natan, came to Rabbi Nachman and asked him, what is the connection between you and him? Like, why are you talking to him? Why are you spending time with him? So Rabbi Nachman answered to him, and what is my connection to you? <laughs> that was his answer. Like, mm -hmm. why do you think that you are more connected to me than him? You understand? I think that this is what Rabbi Nachman would do in any situation with a person that is far away from him. He would bring himself to sit close to him 
to let that person feel the most comfortable without letting his opinion affect Rabbi Nachman himself, changing right. Rabbi Nachman himself. But he will never make you feel uncomfortable with yourself. Right. He will sit with you, hang out with you, give you all the pay, all the support and all the love and all the appreciation that he can give to you to the extent of his connection with you by the law and rules of the Torah. And he would never embarrass you, hurt your feelings and take your dignity and your and your your pride away from you. I I really appreciate you saying that because that 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 does seem to capitalize on it. Um, I lived a very uh, sheltered life as a kid, very cloistered, sheltered. Uh, we were very conservative, et cetera, et cetera, raised in a religion that was extremely uh, rigid uh, to, to the point of being cruel to individuals. Uh, later on in life, I ended up becoming a Houston police officer and worked in the city of Houston. And I was, a, I was shaken from a paradigm. The paradigm was this. Uh, well, the, 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 the uh, divide between evil, corrupt evil, and good is just a thin slice. And you can be sinner and evil by doing X, Y, Z, and therefore you're corrupt and you, you, know, you shouldn't have any, you should fall on your face before God, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I got into law enforcement, I realized, no, there are some real evil people in the world. And it's not the person with the wrong kind of color hair. There are some real pe evil people in the world, not the guy who just is struggling with their, with, uh, with their identity. There are evil people in the world that are murderers, that are uh, embezzlers. There are really horrible people in the world, and it's so easy to get sort of caught up in trying to put everybody in a category. My idea is let's follow the truth. Let's follow the Torah. And, and do what you suggested, and that is look at that person's individual and how do I relate to them? That's it. Do we believe in the Torah? Yes, we believe in the Torah, 100%. There's no I doubt. Think that, 100%. I think that um, really, Ira, like you said, to, to wrap it all and just to say like one thing on, on top in a general way on all of our conversation not on the topic of the conversation, on our mm -hmm. conversation, is that we have to have Rod with us next week as well. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so we only have a few minutes, so I want to get a couple of things in here before we before we uh, we we end here. We're going to have to change the name of the show. We're going to have to go back to, uh, I don't know, Beyond the Matrix or something like that. If we're going to beyond the, the Beyond the Matrix never never failed. It's uh, there's no never failed. <laughs> so I, I want to uh, I'm going to change our uh, our thing here a little bit so uh, so everybody can see us, but they can also see um, some of the things I want to put up here. Um, I want to put up. Rav Dror's book, Return to Your Root, because we were talking about this idea of uh, recycling of the souls, this idea of Gilgul. Um, so some of the things that we talked about, you're going to see in this book. Um, this is Rav Dror's new book, Return to Your Root. So you can get this at Amazon or you can go to amuna.com. Mm -hmm. um, you can also, if you want to learn a little bit about Kabbalah, from a very basic understanding for the, I know there are a lot of people out there that want to sort of understand Kabbalah and how it relates to science. You can get my book also on Amazon, the science of Kabbalah. And, um, I also want to ask, um, for those of you that are able, um, to continue to support us so that we can continue doing this. And, uh, you know, Rod requires a very heavy salary. No, I'm just kidding. Um, to bring him in here. So. I, no, no, I require. That's a joke. That's a joke, it. everybody. He requires it, but, we, uh, but we're not going to give it to him. So <laughs> anyway, but if you can, please help us. I can tell you they, that the Amuna Project helps a lot of people. 
Rav Jor won't talk about uh, all of the people that he helps, but I'm telling you, having been uh, an insider, you know, in the back end of the Amuna project and having worked with Rav Jor as uh, the executive director for several years in Yerushalayim, I can tell you that uh, this money is used in a very righteous way. So if you're able to please help us. Um, as always, I want to thank you, um, Rav Jor, my holy brother. I want to thank you, my holy brother, Rod. And it looks like uh, you're going to be with us now. Well, Amen. let's see what happens. Let's yeah, take it day by day. You know, he needs, to, not, he needs uh, to want it too. It's not, I'm, it's not I'm our... Oh, well, who? Rod? Of course. Of oh, course. Well, Rod. I well, didn't we, think you were giving I, him I a... Was like, let me tell you, when when Ira mentioned, I think I don't know, Rob. I think you mentioned it, but I went downstairs and I was like, "Wow, this is like an old reunion." Because you remember we did our first podcast back segment. in segment. No, do you want to know how we first? I'm going to tell you. I was yeah. actually speaking at Nativ. Right. You you were. I was staying in your house. Right. You were taking a nap. And I was talking on the phone and I came down and I said to Rod, have you ever heard of this guy, Rob Jor, Moshe Kasuto? <laughs> and he said to me, what are you talking about? This guy's like my rabbi. He goes, I've been following him for years. I said, well, yeah. when I head back to Israel, I have a meeting with him. Um, I have a meeting with him in a couple of weeks. I'm going to Yerushalayim to meet him. I was living in Sfat. And, um, and, and that's what started the whole connection with, uh, with, with the three of us, you and I were already doing uh, radio at the time and doing podcasts. Right. I I went back to Israel. I I drove with my wife down to Yerushalayim, met with Rav Jor, and uh, um, like a month or two months later, I moved from Sfat to Yerushalayim and um, became the executive director of the Muna Project. So, so that's how this whole trio got together the, the and of three. course rob drawer has been to our native community many times over the years and i really appreciate what you guys are doing always loved uh what you guys are doing and so it's it's a great reunion to come back and to be a part of what you guys are doing. thank you also for us it's a great pleasure and bezat hashem we're going to see you all again bezat hashem next week hopefully in great health and great happiness and yeah. and great salaries and yes. uh, and uh, and wonderful success and to all our followers and to all our supporters and to all our friends around the world we are with you and we're happy that, to see you commenting and visiting on all the outlets we have a very colorful screen now around us while we're able thank god to uh, to um post live our live uh, broadcasts to um facebook to um um, TikTok to YouTube and Bezat Hashem um, more outlets soon and um, may we reach the whole wide world to the will of Hashem um, and Amen. gathered in Yerushalayim in our days. Amen. Amen. Thank you, dear brothers. Thank you, Thank dear you. brothers and sisters. We'll see you later. Watching. Be well. Shalom, shalom.